Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. These last few weeks have been really hard for me as I've been deeply immersed in the news of what's happening in Israel-Palestine since um, Hamas attacked um, Israel and then all of the retaliatory attacks by Israel and the invasion of Gaza and the thousands of Jews and also of Palestinians who've lost their lives um, and the loss of life on a daily basis. And um, I've been just trying to make sense of it, trying to figure out how to respond. And uh, I've been praying a lot and really uh, finding myself just getting clearer and clearer that, that I don't want to justify violence uh, from either side. You know, it's easy to see how uh, the Palestinians would have their reasons for, you know, for their um, their anger and the, the terrorist strikes, and uh, and then it's also easy to see how the Israeli government would respond the way that they've respond, and how that would incite even f- more um, anger and violence. And when you start, you know, becoming an apologist for anyone's violence, it's easy just to go into a, a place of a really dark place you know, where you're just, um, you know, you're just filling yourself with, you know, with darkness, really, and hatred and all kinds of, uh, you know, despair as well. And um, anyway, I've just been thinking so much about Jesus and his uh, approach, which is so, so different and so positive to, uh, you know, to the world. And, you know, Jesus came and into the world at, when Israel was under Roman occupation and it's just um, so amazing when I look at, you know, what he was about in his life in terms of promoting the kingdom of heaven and, and really a kingdom of heaven that was not allied with a particular government or political system or even ecclesial, like religious system, but was a movement. And he was really about a movement. And I think about um, just all of the people that are trying to interpret what's happening in the Middle East right now in terms of the fulfillment or moving towards the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And a scripture that I keep coming to is Acts chapter 1, where the uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, you know, after he's raised, raised from the dead and he's meeting with them, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? You know, they're, they're wondering, is it going to be now? Okay, you've defeated death. You've uh, come out on the other side of the crucifixion. Now is it time for you to be the Messiah in the way that we were expecting you to be? And the way that maybe um, modern day Israelis uh, would be, you know, would be envisioning themselves as, as, as you know, taking over um, that land and, and expanding through settlements into, um, you know, the, the West Bank, which is in part what is provoking a lot of this violence. Well, Jesus um, has a really clear answer. He says to them, it is not for you to know the time or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Okay, and I assume that that's still true for us now. It's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by own, his own authority. But you, uh, disciples, and us included, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
So um, being Jesus's witnesses is the priority that Jesus is highlighting. And being a witness is, uh, is, is begins in Jerusalem and then goes into all of Judea, all of Samaria, and then even to the remotest parts of the earth. And so Jesus is really concerned about the empowerment from above, you know, from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and also about um, being witnesses of, of Jesus. And I assume that means, you know, telling of all of his acts that he, that they were witnesses of in the gospel accounts and uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Um, if we look at Matthew chapter 28, uh, the Great Commission, Jesus uh, meets with his uh, 11 disciples um, in Galilee on the mountain which Jesus had designated. And um, it says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's another commissioning of Jesus that involves, um, in this case, um, there's no mention of being a witness, but there's the direct imperative of, as you go, make disciples of all the nations. So it's not just in Israel, but it's everywhere. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching people to put into practice everything that he commanded. So there's an overlap of, you know, um, being a witnesses and, and then, you know, going out and making disciples, which involves in kind of jumping people into a whole lifestyle that involves practices that Jesus had uh, modeled, but also commanded. And so anyway, with that, I want to move to the scripture that I want to focus the rest of our time on, which is uh, Matthew chapter four. So if we're going to look at how Jesus uh, practiced what he is telling his disciples to practice, which is making disciples, um, we need to go right to the beginning and look at how Jesus um, made disciples. And I want to read from uh, chapter 4, verse 12 and following. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, okay, this is after he's come back from after his baptism and he's been tempted by the devil. And then, um, then he comes back into the land and he hears that his cousin has been arrested, the one who baptized him. He withdrew into Galilee. So he first goes into Galilee almost uh, like as a withdrawal from a you know, potential trouble that he could get into being John's cousin. And so then it says, and leaving Nazareth, and Matthew has very little detail about that compared to Luke, where we see that Jesus proclaim, preaches his first sermon and then is, 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 you know, is cast out of uh, Nazareth and uh, ends up going to Capernaum. But here in Matthew's gospel, he came and he settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea. And then we have all this information uh, and a citation from Isaiah chapter 9. In the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, and this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And um, so just studying a bit about Zebulun and Naphtali, these were two tribes of Jacob and their, the lands, their tribal uh, allotments that they had were right around the Sea of Galilee. And, um, and these were some of the tribes that had been carried away 
uh, in the first exile that was when the Assyrians came down and took Israel, which was, you know, the 10 northern tribes. And so this was an area that during the, the, the times time of Jesus uh, was primarily Gentile. And um, so anyway, this, this quotation is um, mentioning Galilee of the Gentiles. And then uh, verse 16, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So, um, so this is uh, being fulfilled now from, you know, by Jesus, according to Matthew. And, um, and so the people that Jesus is going to encounter, I assume that these are people that, that would be seen as sitting in darkness. And then Jesus is, is the great light that they're seeing. And, um, but before we go into looking at the text itself, I just want to ask the question, who are the people sitting in darkness today? You know, where do we see people sitting in darkness? Or when might we feel like we are people that are sitting in darkness? So sitting, the posture of sitting is, is being demobilized, isn't it? It's a posture of, of, not, of, of lack of movement. And sitting in the dark is, uh, is like evokes terms like paralysis or stuckness or, um, you know, just depression even. And when we had this Bible study uh, last week and we looked at this text at Tierra Nueva, you know, we talked about addicts who are smoking fentanyl in the central uh, area of our of our city in Mount Vernon. Uh, but everywhere, really, that's happening. And we, we talked about people stuck in our prison system or people with mental health uh, issues like depression or bipolar and, you know, and the many who struggle you know, with meaning, trying to find meaning in life. And even people who are, are just in a day in the daily grind of just trying to make a living and to pay the bills, which it's hard to, hard to pay the bills for many people. Many people in our community barely are making it. And anyway, the, the equivalent of that, um, in Jesus's time, we're going to look at now in a few, in a few minutes. So the people who were sitting in darkness and who were then not move, there was no movement on their part towards the light. Um, you know, those that were, that were sitting in the land of the shadow of death. Uh, so the shadow of death is, is upon them. Um, upon them, a light dawned. Or literally, you could read light or a light um, arose to them or for them. In the Greek, it could be read that way. A light arose for them. And, um, and so let's see how that light arises for them or how it is that they actually saw a great light. Um, you know, Jesus is seen here as uh, the instigator. So he is the one who's coming to them. He is the light that um, comes into their darkness. Um, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the first action of Jesus that would look to be in alignment with the fulfillment of this prophecy of, of the people sitting in darkness, um, have seen a great light and um, a light uh, arising to or for them would be actually Jesus's presence preaching and saying. And so it looks like the word of God is what it, uh, that is that is spoken by Jesus himself is associated directly with the light here, even though it's not as clearly articulated as say, John 1, 
where uh, the Word is with God and the Word is God and God creates everything through the Word and the Word is, 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 um, in Him is life, light, life and light. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't uh, overcome it or understand it, whatever, however you want to interpret that because it can be translated both ways. But anyway, here, um, Jesus's word isn't called the light, but, um, but Jesus's movement of beginning to preach and say, and then uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand is the first um, clue that we have to what it looks like for the light um, to arise to them or for them. Um, so Jesus calls them to change their way of thinking, change your way of thinking for the kingdom of God is, is near. Um, and so it's that word that is the very first, um, first thing that we see. And then right away after that, we have direct reference to Galilee and we see that Jesus, um, Jesus's movement towards, uh, fishermen. Okay. So verse 18, now, as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay, so um, the light shining upon them, you know, them seeing the light um, is only possible if it's embodied. At least that's what I see as, as the teaching that we can extract from this text if we're looking at what, what it would look like for us if we were to follow Jesus in terms of being witnesses um, and we were to do what he did in terms of making disciples, um, what he does is he, first of all, he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. So he went to um, the Sea of Galilee, which was um, just a natural place like nature, um, a body of water. He's And he's the one walking beside it. And he sees two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. So there's no mention of them seeing Jesus, but it's Jesus who's seeing them. So the light, so to speak, um, sees these two brothers. And, um, and what are they doing? They're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So you wonder how Jesus got oriented um, in the beginning to towards fishermen, like like the first people that he goes after are fishermen for disciples. And was, was there something intentional about this? Was Jesus thinking, okay, well, a fisherman, uh, fishermen are, are people who are actually, they're adept at looking um, for and kind of um, scheming about or just planning and, and kind of uh, studying the waters and determining where that, where they could and where and how they could actually catch fish. So they're, they're people that are already wired uh, to, be searching for these, uh, you know, these uh, fish that are under the surface of the water. And, um, and so they, they're people that are, that have a mindset of being like hunters or seekers. And, and so is that a clue to the kinds of people that Jesus uh, would invite us to pursue? Like people that would be pursuers, even if they're not pursuers of people, they, these are, these are people that are not pursuers of people, but pursuers of fish. And I wonder who those people would be in our own day and age. Like if we were to try to actually unpack this verse like I'm doing and and look for how um, we would practice this as disciples. Um, I wonder what that would look like. Who are um, modern day people or, you know, what kinds of professions, you know, maybe marketers, right? Or, um, 
you know, like, uh, like people who are, are salesmen, um, or people who are, who are actual, um, hunters and gatherers. Like, like right now we've got mushrooms that are wild mushrooms that are everywhere in the, in the forests. And there are people, lots of people that just love to go out and forage and look for mushrooms or there's others that, that work for the gleaners or that, I mean, not work for them, but that are members of the gleaners, an organization that where they go out and they go into the fields and they, they glean. And there's, and there are lots of fishermen actually in our area. We have commercial fishermen and we have uh, sports fishermen. We have hunters, you know? Um, anyway, these are all just ideas that I'm throwing out there. So um, Jesus goes to them. He sees them casting a net into the sea. So that's their means of, of, of catching, you know, what they're looking for is the net. And he said to them, follow me, or literally um, in Greek, it's, um, you know, come out, come hither or come after me, come behind me. Um, and I will make you fishers of people, fishers of men. So, so Jesus uh, addresses them indirectly uh, with this imperative you know, come behind me, come behind me, and I will make you fishers of people. And, um, and that word um, has an impact on these, on these fishermen, because it says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So they left their nets. Did they leave their nets just out in the water? I mean, you know, the nets um, represent, I think, the means of livelihood, the means of catching these um, these fish that are under the surface of the water that are maybe deep in the, in the lake. And, and so rather than them, uh, just continuing with that livelihood of, of making a living through, um, casting their nets, which would be like their way of, of making money. Um, they leave that behind and they follow Jesus. And, um, was it because they, 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 they caught that, that idea that fishing for people would be would be way more meaningful or was it just the power of Jesus's presence? You know, we don't know, but, um, there they go. And, um, and I wonder whether this is what people need today is, uh, is that kind of a call yesterday? I was up in, um, Whatcom County jail in the, um, one of the jails visiting a person one-on-one. -on -one, and this person is, um, in there for all kinds of, uh, drug related crimes. And they're doing about six months and, uh, this person is a really um, interesting, super bright person who's had just chronic drug addiction. And, um, but I know this person to be a person that is a high adventure person. Like this person is just gets bored really easy and is kind of ADHD as, the, as he would define himself, identify himself. And is always looking for something to do that would be exciting. Like he, he's gotten in all kinds of trouble uh, being chased by the police and been in high speed uh, chases He's been pursued and he's gotten away many times. In this case, he didn't get away. Um, and I, I was just thinking, you know, what would, what would, you're in need of adventure, you know, what, what might that look like? You know, like if you were, um, you know, what, what is your calling? And we were just talking about his calling and I was showing him pictures of my last trip to uh, Armenia. And he was really excited about, um, kind of what I was doing in the, in the Iranians that I was working with and just how they were um, already kind of considered criminals, um, you know, risking actually the death penalty uh, to be converted from Islam into to become Christians. And then there they were, they were um, secretly 
um, at this conference, at this training, and, and they had to go back, you know, um, with so much care that they wouldn't get uh, detected. So there was all kinds of security measures they needed to, you know, to follow. And and this particular um, inmate friend of ours was uh, just tracking with this because, like, he's he's used to having warrants for his arrest and having to be under the radar. And it excited him to think of being an underground Christian, like an Iranian Christian even though I don't want to romanticize that because it's tremendously difficult. And I showed him then pictures also of Manenberg, the, you know, the township where there's so much violence, where we've been doing trainings, you know, down in South Africa near Cape town. And, you know, it, I just watched his eyes light up. I mean, he, he definitely wants adventure. And I see these two brothers, Simon uh, called Peter and Andrew being like that. That's how I envision them. And, and Jesus being um, like a recruiter, and his, um, and that's what the light, the function of the light, is that dawns on them. It's, it's actually, you know, they're sitting in darkness because they're just in the daily grind. They're just doing their job, and you know, um, I think Christians have been too into just, uh, you know, kind of glorifying the workplace. You know, I think of programs about marketplace ministry, and and I, I know there's a place for that, but I think sometimes we glorify the daily grind as a way to just make people, you know, find meaning in it. When in actual fact, Jesus is calling us um, here. He's not giving people jobs. He's, you know, people are losing their job to follow him. And I think there's way too much made out of just employment as the, the, the secret to meaning in life and, you know, and kind of climbing up and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps through, you know, through, through salaries and, you know, in our vocations and everything. And, and here, um, I think this gives us a clue that one of the ways that we can bear witness and we can make disciples is, is by being really strategic, but deliberately going after certain kinds of people. And here it's interesting that Jesus goes to where they are. And then, um, verse 21, but actually we were looking at this verse, uh, with our Bible study group and just saying, well, would this work if we were going around with the fentanyl addicts down in, in Mount Vernon and saying, Hey, follow me and I will make you become a fisher of people. Um, you know, we were, we were realizing that that would just seem too weird uh, for those guys and, um, and women on the street, like, like to become a fisher of people. Obviously we'd have to contextualize that and use different language and they're not fishermen, but, um, verse 21 actually helped helped answer the question. So then it says, um, so then Jesus now is with two other brothers and says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Okay. James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. So once again, nets are a, a feature you know, and nets are needing to be mended in order to succeed at uh, trapping you know, catching these fish, which is their way of making money. So it's like they're fixing the the tools of their trade that, that they need to be able to make money. And here it says, um, he called them. And, uh, and this is different than what happened in verse 19, where he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. Here, Jesus doesn't say, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. Somehow that's the first time I noticed that, this. Um, in the, the Bible study this last week, it says he called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. So he didn't even call them um, to become fishers of people or to follow him. 
he just called them and and somehow his presence maybe with the other fishermen was was enough and um and i find that to be a refreshing you know verse there because um it just suggests that you know we don't even have to invite people into a program we you know we can just call them to 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 join us or um you know uh reach out to people and acknowledge them and um i mean what would what does it mean to call someone um like uh it's 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 there's not a lot of detail here to kind of hang on to but anyway now now jesus is with four people so there's a group of five and that's um that's what that that's the group that that we that we have in verse 23 where jesus is described as going throughout all galilee Okay, now he's going throughout all Galilee with um, four fishermen, four ex-fishermen. And um, what's he doing? He's teaching in the synagogues. Okay, first thing. Okay, so he's in um, with the insiders um, teaching, but he's got four um, fishermen who he didn't find in the synagogue. He didn't find in the temple. He didn't find any religious place. You know, maybe they, were, they weren't religious. But um, anyway, they're with him and they're getting, um, they're they're. they're they're learning the teaching along with people in the synagogue. And um, and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So they're hearing that too. Uh, they're hearing the teaching and the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom isn't defined yet. But we see what that is soon with what Jesus does next. And so here it is. Number one, teaching the synagogues. Then two, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Then number three, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So here we're seeing um, kind of what it might look like to be a fisher of people. Um, well, first, you know, um, a fisher of people, the way Jesus did it, involved actually going to these literal fishermen and, um, and you know, and calling the first two to, to get, to come behind him and to, uh, and he would, he committed himself to making them become fishers of people. And then just calling to the next um, group of two, and they joined him. And so it involves us, if we're going to practice this, going out. And in this case, Jesus is all by himself. He's not, in, he's not with a team, and he's going um, out to the workplace. And so maybe there is a place for marketplace ministry, thinking about it that way. But um, anyway, then it involves um, Jesus bringing them with him, bringing, we, us bringing people with us. Um, doing this ministry of teaching and proclamation of the gospel that is uh, accompanied by actions uh, that bring actual relief to people, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So so if we're going to do um, make disciples the way Jesus made disciples, then it seems like these are core um, actions. Um, you know, like going to where people are, uh, teaching, proclaiming the kingdom, healing, uh, every kind of sickness. Um, and then we see that that's what leads to crowds of people. Verse 24, the news about him spread throughout all Syria. Okay, so Syria, that's outside of Israel. That's uh, that's that's a difficult place right now that's being bombed by Israel and that has, um, you know, um, all kinds of stuff going on. And and back then it was a, it was a foreign place. It was, it was uh, outside. It was the Gentiles. And so anyway, they brought to him, they, the people of Syria, brought to him all who were ill. Okay, wow, that must have been a lot of people. 
all the Syrians who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. So now we have details about the kinds of people Jesus healed. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, but I just want to emphasize it again because I just find this to be so, um, you know, just so inspiring, really, that um, that Jesus, what he embodied in terms of making disciples was a, was a practice that brought concrete relief to people and involved actual supernatural healing together with teaching and proclamation. And then it says large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis. The Decapolis, we learn about that um, in other uh, stories like the, the Gerasene demoniac. You know, he was, um, when he was delivered of the demons, of the legion of demons, he is sent by Jesus um, to the Decapolis, the ten cities. But here already large crowds are following him from Galilee, the Decapolis, and Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. So um, so already the, the kingdom of God is um, Jews and Gentiles here. And and the following um, is um, is something that, that fits into the whole theme of, you know, of Jesus saying, come behind me, and then uh, they are following. And so now not only are the disciples, the fishermen following, but these, um, you know, these crowds from all these places, large crowds are following. And so clearly, um, this is a text that we need to ponder more, especially in the light of all of these current events and the war that uh, can just demobilize us because we can just think, well, what can I do? Okay, I can, I can speak out, you know, for or against, I can go to a protest, you know, but many of us, I think, uh, find ourselves sitting in the darkness, just uh, not even knowing you know, how to respond to some of the global conflicts that we're aware of. And, you know, the, um, the mass shooting, mass shooting in Maine, you know, um, in our country a couple of weeks ago, and, and then just the stuff that's happening in Gaza and, and, um, you know, and, and then Ukraine, of course, like when we, when we read all the news, we can, we can find ourselves, um, you know, just sitting in the darkness, feeling like, the sh we're under the shadow of death, and uh, we need to reorient ourselves uh, according to the priorities of um, of Jesus. You know, which is uh, waiting to receive power from above, and so that we can be witnesses in um, everywhere to the ends of the earth, and then being about um, actually making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to practice everything. So we've got to be practicing everything Jesus commanded um, in order for us to be able to teach others to practice that as well. So let's go for it and try to do that. May God bless you in your uh, following after Jesus.